Here comes a trap, O'Brien with the tip! The ball's on the floor! O'Brien, down the lane, the layup! Oh, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness, O'Brien! Did he get fouled? The hoop and the arm, baby! Whoa! My goodness, it's electric here in the Voss Fieldhouse! Holy smokes! Seventeen, twenty eighteen. We uh, heard a quote from a friend of ours, Will DeBoer, with 12 minutes to go in the game. And I quote, remember who you're with, where you are, and what you're drinking, because <laughs> this might be it. And the random lady you kiss after the game. Oh, thanks, Brittany. We are here, episode three, in the... UMBC fighting Golden Retrievers thought, here goes nothing. Golden Retriever. 74 to 54. We're happy that we started this podcast because very timely, it being the first time a 16 seed has ever beat a one seed. UMBC on record, the Golden Retrievers 74, Virginia 54. I kind of want to just pop this thing off. We can throw every stat in the book. We can look at the box score. We can talk about McKee's sister-in-law. Yeah, let's talk about that. Tony Bennett <laughs> handled himself brilliantly after the game, in the post game. Yeah, he Soft. did. But if you didn't see any of the game, UMBC gets their doors kicked in by Virginia. They were led. They had a 28-point effort. By Jarius Lyles. Important to note that his both of his folks graduated from University <laughs> of Virginia. 14 points by Joe Shermburn. I didn't have these guys' names in the archives. I'm looking them up because who did? Mora. U- Mora. UMBC Mora. Five foot nine, 140 pounds, KJ Moore. <laughs> no. The senior from San Juan, Puerto Rico. 140 pounds. The of- only man I want to talk about is Lamar from the corner. Lamar, 12 up by points. 14. Arkel Lamar, the sophomore, up 14, 321 to play. His coach Bottoms. Is screaming, Pull it out. Pull it out. And he said, <laughs> All I'm thinking is like, you're at the bar with four buddies, all right? And everyone's like, no, man, we got to take it easy, man. Like, we're going too fast. And then one of them just goes, hey, bartender, how about three more shots? <laughs> That's what it felt like. So we were, I don't know, at the half, it's tied 21 all. And what would you say? For me, it was, I started really thinking it was possible. I remember it was about 12 minutes to go. And no. I thought, we quit seeing Virginia, and it was desperation mode. I would be lying if I thought UMBC was going to win with 12 minutes left. I was like, this is exciting, this is fun, but reality's going to set in. It wasn't until Lamar hit the bo- that corner three that I was sold, really? and that's when they were up by 17 with three minutes and 20 See, seconds left. I, this, I had to- this is going to sound a little conceited. I had this in my other bracket. <laughs> yeah, I picked this. 
in my other bracket. No, from the moment you said tonight that a 16 seed. <laughs> no, 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 fill them in. Yeah. From the top. Yeah, yeah, okay. Fill them in from the top. We can't make this up. Mm-mm. This is two hours pre-tip, This right? might have been this, 9 o'clock. No, no, this was when Cincinnati. No, no, not Cincinnati. Xavier. This is when Xavier was down five points. It was 20 to 15 in the first quarter, or the first half. And we were talking about whether a 16 seed will ever beat a 15. And and I was, I think I was a little more optimistic than both of you saying this this team had a shot against Xavier. And then we got into the conversation, will a 16 team ever be a one seed? And Casey, quote, I, this is a direct quote. To the Never grave. Never in my lifetime. Never. Case, you got to think you're living for... You, you, that seems like a healthy guy. You're going to be living... You know, I'm not carrying extra weight. <laughs> I don't smoke. <laughs> I have a casual dad pop. <laughs> Never in my life. 50 years? 60 years? Yeah, Lord willing. Never in my life. And I, those words <laughs> came out of my mouth. Now, have those also came out of my mouth... On day one of probably every March Madness tournament, I would assume so. Yeah, you're an emotional human being. Yeah, but yeah. I, tr- M- Monk actually said to me, do you think it can ever happen? And I said, never in my life. Fast forward two and a half hours. So when you said it, I just kind of felt it. Oh yeah, right from the get-go. Uh, well, sure. what I remember, Lamar I don't remember the game ball. going on, except for Casey, you just go... Virginia's tied 21-21 at the half. And I go, no. it's 21-21 at the half? I said at the half, and you said you said no. I'm like, yeah. no, it's halftime. Yeah. I didn't believe you. Fittingly, this is the only team all year that's beat that's scored 70 or more points against Virginia. Virginia's played North Carolina twice. Duke once. They went through the full gamut of the ACC, 30-2. They lose to Virginia Tech. They lose to West Virginia. My dad asked me why I had Virginia. This was an hour before the first game of March Madness. And he said, why do you have Virginia in the final? Fittingly, I mean, all this is coming full circle. And I said to him, I said, Dad, they're 30 and 2. They've 31 run and two. 31 and 2. They've run the table more or less in the ACC. They've handled North Carolina. They've beat Duke. I said, the reason I have them, they might not get to the finals, but if they do get upset along the way, I can look at myself and say, I know why I picked that team. I know why I picked that team. It made sense. You know, like, why would you pick Kentucky? I don't know if they get hot, if this, this, and that. And I just looked and yeah. I said, if they get beat, I know why I had them there. Just ironic that he asked me about just one game, one team. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer to this question. Okay. I have absolutely no idea. But help me understand why Virginia is traditionally so good in the regular season, but so awful in the postseason, especially this season. Because as Bash said, the only two teams that Virginia lost to to this point were teams from Virginia, or had Virginia's name, West Virginia or Virginia Tech. They cruised through the ACC, the best best conference this year, Mm -hmm. cruised through North Carolina, Duke, and yet... Like, like how? Because you could say tempo, you could say off. I mean, you could you could say a bunch of things, but this just doesn't add up. Monk, you mentioned tempo, so Virginia has always one of the been one of the best um, defensive teams. Okay, like 
it's since Tony Bennett has been there. I should even say this: the last five seasons since 2014, they've been a top seven defense on Ken Palm every single year. The number one defense this year, number two defense twice, four defense once, and then the number seven defense in 2016. All right, their tempo those last five years has never been better than 345th. So I'm not saying that this explains the UMBC loss, but it does explain why in March when you actually play, you know, maybe six quality opponents in the ro- in a row, I wouldn't consider UMBC actually a quality opponent, even though they beat them. But at some point, you're going to be down by double digits, and you're just not going to be able to come back from that. Yeah. Like you're playing good, good enough, too good of teams. Um, it was just so. To catch I mean, up. It, it's probably similar to we see in the Division Three program Grinnell or Greenville, and they're a team that scores 130 points a game. And you, it's almost the inverse effect. It's what happens if this team has a big lead? They keep their foot on the gas pedal, and it's hard to milk out a victory because you're constantly going, going, going. You get seven seconds into a shot clock, even when you're up 15 with six minutes to go. If you go cold, the door is wide open. And it's the total inverse effect here for Virginia. When Virginia has to start playing with getting, getting, you get down 12, you get down 15, and there's six and seven minutes to go, all of a sudden, we need to find a quality shot, two to three passes into an offense. You become a different team. You no longer are Virginia. I mean, and so, it, I mean, there's, you can explain how Virginia can be beat. You cannot explain how UMBC beats them. Well, and I, I think we both mentioned a case. Virginia just wasn't even getting good looks. No. Yeah. They lost their identity the minute, I mean, around the 15-minute mark, they lost. We quit seeing Virginia. Yeah. I would say, yeah, 10-, 12-minute mark it was just a very different Virginia team because they kind of went into that panic mode of, when they were down by 17, it was the largest deficit all year. I, I, I don't even know what their largest deficit was all year at that point. Um, but when you're down that big, on a big stage, you are the number one. You're not only a number one seed, you're the number one seed in the entire tournament. Yeah. I mean, in the past, this Virginia team has been able to rely on players like Justin Anderson, Malcolm Brogdon, both of those players in the NBA. Both of those players, when you're, you have to get points, can score. Six foot six for Justin Anderson, six foot five for Malcolm Brogdon. You need a bucket. You've got big NBA bodies. That's what this Virginia team probably lacks. Would be, I mean, another thing off the top of my head, you have Devin Hall, Kyle Guy, TJ, Ty, Ty Jerome, Isaiah Wilkins, Jer- but I don't know if those guys are playing at the next level. But Jerome, when you looked at the matchup between Jerome and, and Mora, Jerome stands, what, like 6'5", <laughs> yeah. 230? Yeah, 6'5", 200 pounds, yeah. When they were in line shaking hands, every single Virginia guy had to, like, take a knee to give him a hug. Yeah. He's actually 140 pounds. 5'8", 140. 5'8", 140 with a 25-pound weight vest on. And this is also... (laughs) (laughs) And Jim, Jim, our our producer, Jim, I want to get your thoughts in just a second, but a a final thought to think about. We've talked about this age-old question of if you're a talented enough player to play very competitively or dominant at the Division 3 or 2 level, what does it look like to get your... To, to pass that up to go to Division One to maybe, you know, never to maybe never get significant minutes, and that's kind of one of the things that we said almost immediately was guys like Mora, five foot eight, 
140 pounds, probably could have played on a couple of Division One or Division, I'm sorry, Division Two, Division Three teams. But it's like, it's always worth it to maybe go Division One because if you can put together a good enough season in your conference, you got a shot at March, and March is different than anything else. You get an interview with Tracy Wolfson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If nothing else, or I mean, the pride of the University of Michigan journalism department, right? Okay. Lover, Love Jim. Lover. I don't want this to. We don't. I don't want to get too much deeper in the pod without mentioning. You might be the only person in this state with UMBC. A little bit of skin in the game with UMBC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell us the story. Jim, Jim. Rogers, oh, the six yeah. foot one lefty, didn't play college basketball, but he ran at the Division three level, yeah. cross I mean, country and track and field. So March 16, 2018, we see UMBC win. At what date had you heard of UMBC? It was 2008. 2008. It was 10 years ago. I had a breakout race at the state cross-country meet, high school, Michigan. Where was it? We need, we need some details. That was at MIS, Michigan okay. International Speedway, yada, yada. A couple weeks go yeah, by after the yeah. season. I get a letter from UMBC. See the logo on the envelope, and I'm thinking... I asked my dad, what is UMBC? I had no clue. He goes... We're still asking he's a, that. He's a counselor. He deals with all the colleges. So he's like, oh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And I was thinking, well, like, maybe basketball? Like, D1? Maybe they caught some tape? I don't know. <laughs> and then it's for running. And so I thought my <laughs> state... My state meet performance <laughs> somehow got he's to the UMBC head cross-country coach. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm in Saginaw, Michigan. A small private high school graduating class of 87. Oh. And somehow, some way, UMBC found their way to my mailbox. And so I told the guys while we were watching, right when it wrapped up, or when Lamar hit that dagger to go up 17, I said, Guys, I did get recruited by UMBC. Yeah, I'm going to find that letter for you guys to prove it tomorrow. So I know it's around, I know it's in good condition. <laughs> so that's my retriever connection. I can confirm it with my parents i know it was yeah, let's get that framed yeah i think we need to Honestly, get that framed that'd be awesome that also be one can we just talk about how crazy it is jim made more free throws in a row than he graduated with people he graduated <laughs> like, with yeah he made a free, a free throw for every kid he graduated with plus the six that transferred <laughs> like i mean that's ridiculous so that's my connection to umbc i'm proud of that but i do want to make a point about virginia case you did one of your Hey, Jim, you got to hear this stat. Yeah. Didn't really shock me, but it's good to know before the tournament. Virginia hasn't given up 70 points all season, 33 I saw, games. I saw 67 was the most. Yes. I think I just looked it up. Final Damn. score tonight, 74-54. Right. As you guys said earlier, 21-21, knotted up at halftime. So the Retrievers score 53 in the second half. 16 times during the season, the Cavaliers... Gave up 53 or less for wow. the entire game. They gave up 53 tonight. Wow, 16. And you can say that has to do with breaking the press real quick at the end there, getting some easy buckets, but yeah. still, it's it was so atypical, like you guys said. Virginia yeah. got so out of whack, they looked lost when they went down. And, yeah, uh, I, like, I like what you said, Case. Yeah. They kind of lost their you know, identity. Yeah, their identity of who they are. It was 21 to 21 and a half. Yes. And and, and the that, Retrievers ended up scoring you, 74. They scored point, 53 points like, in one half yeah. against the best defense that had not allowed to that point 
a game over 70. That's, that's, nice. that's unbelievable. If you guys are 21, 21 and a half, you're like, oh, this game's being played at Virginia's pace. They'll yep. be fine, right? Yep. You would think? I don't think anyone was sweating at halftime. I had Bow on the boat, Kevin Bow, and he said, we said, I think UMBC is going to score eight points in the second half. It's going to yep. be like 54 29. How many times have we seen either a mid major or a double digit seed that has no business come out, throw some fireworks in the first half, yeah. and get their teeth kicked in in the second half? We've seen it so many times. I mean, we saw it briefly tonight with Michigan State. Uh, Bucknell hung around. It was a two-point game on the after the first bucket of the second half. Michigan State gets up as many as 16, I think. It got interesting in the end, but that's kind of what you expect in a game like yeah. this. Yeah. That was by far the most impressive thing about the second half. I remember with 16, 16 minutes left, mm-hmm. we we were starting to look at each other like, could this happen? Yeah. And then, and then uh, one of my buddies sent me, a live bet. He, he did a live bet on Virginia, oh, plus he, 200. Okay. He took the live bet. He put like 30 bucks on it to win 60, plus 200 on Virginia. And he thought he was a genius. Yeah. And we, we I wanted s- to take it. We I, all, yeah, I yeah, 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 12 minutes. Yeah. You're like, yeah, take it. And we were, at, you know, 12 minutes, 8 minutes. Everyone, all of us just kept on saying, this has to be close. Like, it's it's going to come down to the last shot. Close. It has to. And like, the best defensive team in the country could not get a stop. Could, could not, not get a stop. And, and, and buy one. And UMBC had the perfect game plan down the stretch. It was like every single possession they knew time was just as important as scoring points. And they were doing both with three to five seconds left in the shot clock. I mean, they were getting to the rack, too. Like, they hit threes, but they were getting into the lane and just... Buried. That's what was so nice. amazing. Yeah. It's like every Some single jelly baby, every Some single jelly. possession with with five seconds left in the shot clock. They were getting good quality shots. Yeah, that's what I kept saying. I go, they don't need to make the shot. They need to get good looks to just have confidence every single time they go down the down the court. And I remember that they had that one possession where it was miserable and they got the shot clock violation. It was a twelve point game, and I was thinking like, ooh, like this could yeah. this yeah, like, this could switch go. it. I don't remember what the time was, but part of me was thinking Virginia just kind of takes over. They're clamping down. It's over for yeah. UMBC. But I, I mean, I was the first time that wrong. I felt good was when that that guy thirty three hit the shot in the corner. Yeah, when that Lamar was, hit the shot in the corner. When they went up seventeen with like three minutes left, that was that was like the first time I, was like, oh, <laughs> I felt wait, comfortable. Maybe <laughs> they'll win. <laughs> I finally put my inhaler down. Let, can, can, let me chime in quickly. Okay. ESPN has the bracket 18 million people. 18 million people. To my knowledge, there are no perfect brackets. None. I'm looking up the guy in first place right now. He obviously had the... Okay, this guy in first place has 300 points. So I think he has one game incorrect. Or maybe none. I don't think he has any games wrong. And you would think... you No, no, he has that game wrong. Nobody has a perfect bracket. And, oh, uh, so 320 is the top. Anyway, so he has one game wrong. What's interesting is you would think the guy who picks UMBC to beat Camp- Virginia, his whole bracket would be trash. His final four, North Carolina, Kentucky, Purdue, Michigan State. Mm. His Elite Eight, Xavier, Gonzaga. I'm sorry, Xavier, North Carolina, mm-hmm. Michigan State, Clemson, Purdue, West Virginia, Kentucky, Loyola. <laughs> I mean, so it's like... This guy gets a random shot on the pod, but isn't that wild? Kentucky Loyola is his elite eight. Yeah, 
No, he he had Virginia. That was the one he got wrong. Oh, okay. Yep. He had Bash, don't question anything at this point. I'm just. Yeah, don't. Uh, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna bring up Loyola Chicago and how wrong I was. Not yet. We don't. I mean, we it's too soon. I just don't want to get off this topic. Can I? Um, when we were trying to process everything after the upset, the thrashing. Thrashing. Monk, I liked your point of the Syracuse TCU game was phenomenal, and we're just like. I didn't have. We were watching post game coverage of the UMBC Virginia game. We had no interest or tie to I'll, Syracuse TCU, and it was a phenomenal yeah, I'll March be honest Madness with you. game. I was just was. scrolling through Twitter because I couldn't get enough of the Virginia UMBC stuff. Bash, mm-hmm. you you weren't you weren't conscious to the outside world. No, like you 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 weren't in our like nothing. I don't know if I could get through to you with anything. Everything <laughs> I said, I, I know you didn't hear because you were you were locked in on Twitter. Like, I just I, I couldn't figure it out. For I what it's worth, I still am trying to wrap. Like guys, I looked at so many Ken Palm numbers and nothing makes Ken sense Palm, anymore. Yeah, and what, Ken, where I mean, are you? For what it's worth, Jim, Syracuse won that game fifty-seven fifty-two. Okay. Also, for what it's worth, my. Uh, Florida State Seminoles, 67-52 with two minutes to go. So. Michael Monk, Porter did let, something to that squad. Monk, question yeah, for you. You have to think. Have to, let, 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 let's let, – okay. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to stay on the, the topic. Other than the Retrievers, is Vegas the only place sleeping better than them tonight? Oh, my God. Yeah, so – Absolutely. I mean, you got so go into we this. Saying this. I was thinking about this last night. Arizona goes down. And Arizona was the most heavily bet on team in terms of money. Yep. Yeah. Virginia was the most heavily bet on team in terms of bets. Volume. <laughs> like this. <laughs> they, Vegas didn't even have to get to the weekend. No. A lot of our brackets didn't either. <laughs> my bracket didn't make. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. I, I felt like my bracket just fell apart after, you know, my vacation to South Beach fell apart. Yeah. Badge got an earful today on our text chain because of how adamant that he was about his Miami pick. But at the same time, it's your own fault because you made a point of of talking about it. We're going to pull some clips from our earlier pod just to make you relive that moment for time to come. But um, we're going to interject here with a an interview from a good buddy of mine. I graduated with him, Will DeBoer. He's a professional broadcaster now working out at Maryland Eastern Shore, very close to UMBC. And uh, so we're going to get a, a word from him. He has a unique situation to today's matchup and how things really got bad for, for Will. So we're going to bring him on. But let's first take a word from our sponsor. It's a good thing if your teeth look good. But it's a better thing if your teeth feel good. You like to get a massage. Your wife likes to get a massage. Your teeth also like to get a massage. Do it with Sonicare and make your teeth feel good. UMBC, the 295th tallest team in college basketball. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good. Is that real? But, yeah. Just to update some of the pod listeners, Will DeBoer, who's now a professional really? broadcaster, he's at the in a, in a farm league, um, was originally in a farm league baseball baseball farm system, and now he's um, Maryland Eastern Shore, which is Division One, the MIAC. It's, UM, so it's not the other school. Yeah. The other school. Yeah. The, the other the, Maryland uh, school. The the more famous UM sort of thing. <laughs> 
the more I, famous Maryland. So, Will, let's just get right into it. Uh, I, I, I would just, I'd like to point out that from the outset, I had Syracuse over TCU. I had New Mexico State over Clemson. I had Loyola over Miami. I did not have UMBC over Virginia. So before at noon today, you're sitting comfortably. Uh-huh. And you're thinking... At what time does your day kind of fracture? Oh. You had that word choice, didn't you? You know I'm a Purdue fan. Will is a Purdue it's fan. The most times the cops took a tumble to the floor against uh, Cal State Fullerton. That's when my day fractured, my day. <laughs> but, Will, just give us – I want I want to give you free reign. Will's a diehard Purdue fan. He also picks – West Lafayette Vir- win race. West Lafayette. He also picks Virginia to win the national championship. And I'm listening to Will. Mm. It doesn't get any worse. I think – I think it just adds a cherry on top. I mean, think, think about this case. Look at look at the people that you're with right now. Look at where you are. You're going to remember this for the rest of your life. You're going to remember where you were and who you were with when the 16 beat the one, when UMBC beat Virginia. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. I was in my buddy Matt McCann's house with some Maryland Eastern Shore people just watching March Madness, and we got you know three screens set up. And one of them is the UMBC-Virginia game. And it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, put, put that on the big one. And it just, as the, the seconds tick off, and it just it becomes inevitable. And it's just, uh, wow. The only th- that's the only thing you can really think of is just that it's, it's finally happened, and we were there to see it. And to top it all off, I picked Virginia to win the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, see? See, you're, you're laughing right now. It's the best punchline of them all. Well, let me ask you this. Did you see UMBC? Have you seen them in person? Yes, I did. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's now my second year. I'm about halfway through. Of I split time between Maryland Eastern Shore basketball and uh, Delmarva Shorebirds baseball. They're the um, Orioles single-A affiliates. So the second game I ever worked for Eastern Shore, the first ever home game we had, UMBC, right? And we probably should have beaten them. Like we, we we lost late, and it was a sort of thing where it's like, eh, we, we should have we should have beaten those guys. The year before I saw them, they won seven games. You know, they had a brand new head coach and stuff. I, I, I can go back to my records. I've probably got information on half of the guys that uh, that were still on the team from this year. So yes, I have seen them. So when you're when you're watching the game today, do you remember doing game prep on any of the current players that you were watching today? Oh, uh, yes, I do. I, I must have. I mean, the names are all gone now because I've done like 100 games since then. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I remember very distinctly. And I called them University of Maryland, Baltimore County on first reference. Come to find out later that, uh, oh, they don't do that. And we, we're sort of the opposite here. UMES, nobody outside the Eastern Shore knows what UMES is. So we switched to saying Maryland Eastern Shore, University of Maryland Eastern Shore. They just go with UMBC. Well, now people are going to know what UMBC is. That's one way to get recognition, pull off the ultimate upset, and people will forever know. So do you think the admissions offices are going to be in a huge war this offseason? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. I mean, this is, this is just – think about this from the perspective of someone who graduated from UMBC. You wake up this morning 
And someone asks you, oh, where do you go to college? And it's like, oh, I went to UMBC. And it's like, oh, what, what, what's, what's that? Where is that? Who, who is that? Now you go to bed tonight. And you, the next day you wake up and people say, oh, where do you go to college? I went to UMBC. And they're going to say, oh, I mean, this is, this is a program-making victory. This is a college-making victory. This is for nobody who ever went to UMBC is ever going to be the same. I would totally agree. You know, when Northern Iowa beat Kansas, mm-hmm. their admissions, the amount of uh, people that applied to the school went up by over 400%. Oh, I, I, I believe that. I think the best tweet of the night, I mean, the entire UMBC uh, social media, the Twitter account, they, they won the night, but probably the best one they had was uh, uh, you know, someone saying, yeah, the admissions are going to go 400%, and the guy's like, you guys already crashed our website. <laughs> yes. Give us some time. Form a single file line. <laughs> a, a shout out to them, the folks in sports information. Steve Levy, Shannon Moser, David Cassiano, Zach Seidel, uh, David Real MVPs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Will, let me let me ask you this. I've done some broadcasting. Producer Jim, Jimmer over here has done some broadcasting. Hey, you- Jimmer. What's up, Willie D? Sunny D. Yeah, you know it, man. Uh, Will, and can you imagine, put yourself briefly in those shoes, being that, you, you know, you guys are, um, you know, talent level probably comparable, or at least a year ago comparable, a team that you played tight. Can mm-hmm. you imagine being a local guy, a representative of the team, you being on that call tonight? I've dreamed about this quite frequently, Case, and I will say this, I'm kind of disappointed. My dream of calling the first one ever is ended, but whatever. <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I can think of a couple of games that one comparable thing that I've had in my career, when I was in Kalamazoo three summers ago with the Growlers, the uh, summer collegiate team, uh, down 11 nothing in the eighth inning, down 11 one in the ninth, and we came back to win 12 to 11. And I had the call for that. And that was, I mean, I was through the roof. I mean, there's parts of my voice that are probably still orbiting somewhere around the Bells factory. It's, it's, but it was 11 it, runs in the ninth. Yeah. 11 runs in the ninth. And this, and we, we were a bad team. We were 17 and 55 this year. And one of our 17 wins was an 11 run comeback. I remember and when it, you called me after that. that game. Yes. I must've called you after the game. It was after midnight because there'd been two rain delays. There were like 12 people still in the stadium. <laughs> Half of them were interns who stormed the, the, the field after John Soderopoulos had the game-winning hit. John Soderopoulos from Cal Berkeley. But I, mean, it's, I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night. Now, I've, I've had a couple other instances where I, I, I couldn't have slept through the night. Uh, you know, when I was at Columbus State, we beat Montevallo, who was basically unbeatable in our conference. Last year, we had the 21-inning game with the Shorebirds. And uh, if, I were, if I were behind the mic for this, I mean... I'd, I'd, I'd be up until, uh, what's today? Uh, that's <laughs> Sunday. Rapture? Let's say Rapture. <laughs> Will DeBoer here on the yeah. podcast. Will's a professional broadcaster working um, with Maryland Eastern Shore. He's done uh, farm league games uh, for baseball, has been doing this now for three years. Will, you're a huge Purdue guy, the, the Purdue guy that I know and Isaac Haas goes down tonight on a less uh, less comedic, probably instance than you losing your your champion in a bracket. But I want you to spill your guts on what this means for Purdue. Could it project them farther? 
how big of a hit is it, but also what does it do to a guy like you um, or any other diehard? You're you're a Purdue insider right now. Take a hack. Well, I will say this. This is comparable to when Robbie Hummel tore his ACL the two times back seven, eight, nine years ago. And twice now today, I've thought to myself, we're going to be thinking about this forever. And, of course, the second one is for this UNBC thing. The, The first one was Purdue. I mean, it's this is one of the 10 teams that probably could have won the national championship. And now anything less than national championship, we're going to be saying to ourselves, what could have been, what would we have done if Isaac Haas hadn't broken his elbow? That's my thought at about five o'clock this afternoon. Now, eight hours later, UMBC has beaten Virginia. All bets are off. The art, art of bracketology is dead. Joe Lenardi's degree is about as worthless as a North Carolina uh, basketball degree right now. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Will. Car- uh, Carolina is the only school I didn't get into when I was applying. So, uh, yeah, that's how I really feel. But, uh, I mean, it's it's completely honest here. Isaac Cosman, he was a, he's a big part of our of our offense, but he became less important as the years gone on as Carson Edwards emerged as, as a potential All-American here. I think if Edwards had been the one to go down, we'd be toast. But, I mean, Haas, he's a big part of the team, but this means that for the first time in about four years, I mean, for the last four years, we've had big men out the wazoo. We had uh, A.J. Hammonds, who was a first-round draft pick, Swanigan, the Big Ten Player of the Year last year, and now Isaac Haas. Now we're going to see what this team is like when they have to play Golden State Warriors style and be a three-point shooting team. And guess what? We're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the nation. Dakota Mathias, Vince Edwards, Carson Edwards, P.J. Thompson, Ryan Klein. The threes are going to keep us in, and I still think we got a shot in this one. And it's going to be a lot tougher now without Isaac Haas, but we'll see. This could unlock a new level that we just don't know about. But, again, it's going to be... You know, in in my head and in the end of every uh, Purdue fan out there, it's going to this year championship or bust. And if it's bust, there's going to be an asterisk next to it. Next to it, just thinking, ah, what what would have happened if he hadn't fallen hard? Yeah. That that's my two cents. Well, that I uh, I agree with you. I told these guys for Purdue, it was Final Four or bust. And if mm-hmm. Vincent Edwards played at the at the level he was the first two months of the year, yeah, Purdue would win the national championship. What do you think is I, – obviously, I think national championship is still the ceiling for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think – how does this change their matchup with like a Villanova in the future? I'm not even looking at Villanova right now. I, I said to myself, the instant Butler got put in our pod, oh, crap, we're going to have to play Butler, aren't we? The guys who own the tournament, the 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 big Cinderellas. So it would not surprise me at all if we lost that game. But you know that should be a Purdue fan to expect disappointment. Um, <laughs> really, it's just you live by the three, I'm, you die by the three. And I think it's going to. You mentioned Vincent Edwards. If he plays well, we're going to do well. I think Carson Edwards steps up the way he did in February. Uh, we're going to be hard to beat. We're still going to be a tough out. It's just going to we're going to have to get more creative, and this is where Coach Painter is going to earn the millions of dollars that he makes. Will I, I want to chime in quickly? Drew Brees, he's coming. He's going back to the Saints, staying with the hometown team. Big Drew Brees, good and golden black, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> Never change. Mm-hmm. Short well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this, Kate. Just being a, a, a Purdue fan, 
I got spoiled because I came of age as a sports fan, you know, starting to get into it at the exact peak of Purdue athletics in everything. In everything, Case. The, 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 first, the first Purdue football game I ever watched was the 98 Alamo Bowl. Purdue beats number four Kansas State on a last-minute touchdown drive. Drew Brees to Isaac Jones for the game winner. 1999, the women's basketball team wins the national championship. 34-1, and Stephanie White and Yukari Figs, the big stars. That was the first season I followed there. 2000, Drew Brees leads them to the Rose Bowl. Purdue in the Rose Bowl. That never <laughs> happens. It's happened like twice, and we got there. The first, one of the first years that I followed Purdue athletics. And then 2000, in the spring, the men get to the Elite Eight for the last time under Gene Cady. 2001, the women's basketball team gets back to the championship. They lose to Notre Dame by two. It has never been the same. It has been all downhill from there. <laughs> and it's, it's just... <sighs> That's what it's like to be a Purdue fan. And, uh, yeah, that's well, – you, you get used to it. Well, the good news tonight, you're a Purdue fan. You know, you could be a Virginia fan, but you're a Purdue fan. <laughs> I am. Well, and that's what I'll say. I had a bad feeling. Purdue has never done well as a one or two seat. You know, the, the montage they were showing – on TNT when it was like, oh, close calls of one seed. One of them was pretty in 96. We almost lost to Western Carolina. Yeah, I think Michigan State was on that list, too. If I they were. Well, Will, we are honored to have you on the call, an expert in many fields, including broadcasting, an expert in busted brackets and Purdue Boilermakers. Thanks for giving us a few moments of your time. And I hope, uh, I know we'll be in contact tomorrow. I hope your heart can heal, but the memory lives on forever. It happened tonight. It happened tonight. And uh, Case, thanks for calling. I just want to give a shout out to you. I enjoyed your calls with Mike Coleman this year, the alma mater, getting back to the NCAA tournament. So proud of Hope College, you know. Hope plays, hope wins. Let's That's go, right. Well, thank you so much, Will. That means a lot. And we'll talk soon, all right? Thanks, Case. Thanks, Will. Need a place to watch the game? Try out Pottery Barn. Comfy couches, footstools, and plenty of end tables for wings, nachos, and dooskies. Warning, TV's not included. May get kicked out after five minutes. Must get prior consent before using extension cords. No, bury me!